With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hi, I'm Courtney from Paramara, and today we will be doing a podcast with John Bullard over his book, A Peek Through the Veil. Make sure to like and subscribe. Hello, John. How are you? I'm doing pretty good. How about you? I'm doing good. Thank you so much for having me. The last time that I talked to you, um, you asked some of the best questions that I've been interviewed. I'm not just saying that to make you feel better, but you kind of caught me off guard on a couple questions. So I like being caught off guard when I have to sit there and think about something. So (laughs) I'm excited to interview with you again. All right. So today we're going to be talking about your book, A Peek Through the Veil. So I did read this. This was, I actually read this before I went into uh, surgery. Uh, so I was hit with that and then I was hit with COVID. So fun mix. So we, I just got now the opportunity to ask you questions about your book. That's awesome. Hey, better than ever. And I'm glad that it was at least a decent book. So that you didn't say you had COVID and then you went through that and then you had to read my book. So it's all three bad things. So at least that was a positive, right? No, um... <laughs> I actually read the book and then I reread it for this so that I could so I could remember some things that I missed out on. And I have a whole bunch of questions yeah. to ask you about it. Well, dive in. Sometimes, you know, it's funny when, whenever I wrote the book and again, I don't read a lot of books. Mm-hmm. Right. And uh, I don't consider myself a great writer. But since I've been in the field for so long, I knew that I wanted to put some of the things that I've experienced and learned throughout the years down on paper. So. When I'm dead and gone, this can be just something for people to read. And again, you know, there's mistakes in the book and it's not perfect, but it's still, it's my thoughts, my experiences and what I've gathered over a decade in the field. Right. And that's what makes it really personal as well. That's like the best benefit about creating a book that is one of your own. And so I think you actually kind of answered my first question because I was going to start off really basic with that. And I was going to be like, all right. So, John, why did you write this book? That's what I was going well, to come in with. Well, no, that's fine. So, yeah, let me. So, yeah, I mean, I had the idea for a long time and I knew in my head, you know, I wanted to talk not just about like one story. I knew I had to break it up into chapters. So I'm a person whenever I think about a project, I want to dissect it. So I have a little notebook and I just broke it down chapter by chapter and kind of made it make sense in my head. Uh, and I picked out a couple of chapters that were just fun for me, like Doppelganger is a right. chapter in the book, which uh, is unique. It didn't get talked about a lot in the paranormal field, but I think there's some relevance to it. Uh, so that was kind of a fun chapter, but it was kind of intimidating to write about because I didn't know a lot about it. So right. that was one of the chapters I wrote last. I just wrote, obviously, like the house in between. That was an easy chapter to write because I've been doing that house for over a decade. So I had a lot to say about that. Um, and I knew that I wanted to write the book for people who don't like to read. It's the same thing whenever I started out doing uh, the paranormal. When we did Smoke and Mirrors Paranormal, we used to investigate 
we had a website. Uh, we would go to a location. We'd review the evidence, video and audio. We would put it on the website. We'd do like 10 to 15 second clips of video. Same thing with the audio. So people could click, listen, be like, oh, that's cool, and then move on. Because I wanted to reach a broader audience than just paranormal people. I wanted people who were not into the paranormal, you know, to look at this stuff and think that's neat, you know, and, and understand that I'm authentic. What we do is real. Um, so that's kind of the same thing with the book. I wanted it to be a simple read. Uh, I wanted it to be heavy visual, which there's a lot of art in the book, which we'll talk about later on. Yeah. So I just wanted it to be simple. I wanted people to take something away from the book. Like if you read the book from front to end, you take away one or two things you thought was interesting or unique. I mean, I feel like I've done my job. Yeah. I noticed that when I did read the book, there's the way you wrote this is actually really intriguing to me because I'm actually a person, I don't like reading, but if I find something interesting in it, I will read the whole thing and you will not stop me. And I read this book front to back and I just could not put it down. And I also have dyslexia. So sometimes it's hard for me to read certain things. And I went through this book like a madman. <laughs> I thought it was so intriguing and so fun. I love that we could stop and like look at the, uh, you have really, really cool um, images in the book. And I found it so fun yes. to take like a mental break to see some of these pages with that imaging. And I thought that was so cool and fascinating about the book. And so thank you. Yeah, that was, that was important to my next question. Uh, where did okay. you get these images from or right here, right there? Right here. <laughs> yep. So, yeah, I mean, it started out, um, that, that was a big part of it. What my first, my process for the book was I broke down the chapters, uh, and I knew exactly what I wanted to write. And then the second thing that I actually did was I knew that each chapter had to have an image attached to it. So the art was actually the second thing I did. So I worked on the art before I even started writing. Um, and I knew that I wanted to oh, – In my theory is less is more. Okay. I don't like things to be ever done. So I knew I wanted everything to be charcoal. I knew it wanted, I wanted it to be rough and raw. I didn't want it to be like a lot of color or anything like that. So – I, I had ideas in my head and visuals of what I wanted. And then I started doing images. Like there's a witch that's in the book, right? Right. Um, I'll pull her up. Where's she at? <laughs> there she is. So yeah, the witch right here. Right. So that's, that's something that I had a dream about as a child, a recurring dream about a witch. So what I did was um, I wrote down paragraphs, like the, the scenario in my head. And I described it as detailed as possible. And I started doing that for each image. And then I went on the search for an artist. Okay. And I look, for, I look for a lot of artists uh, locally in, in Mississippi where I'm at. And uh, I talked to five or six different people, <clears throat> but they just didn't mesh with what I was doing. So, you know, they're great artists, but they just didn't get what I was trying to do. So I moved on. Uh, and then I started looking uh, on the Internet and, and like Facebook, Instagram, whatnot. And I had a few people that I talked to. One was from the UK. I think one was from Germany, actually. But then I found a guy who was from Chile, randomly. I, okay. typed in haunted, I typed in haunted art on Instagram. And he wasn't doing, like, haunted images, but he did, like, charcoal stuff. Okay. And I liked the way he freehanded he free stuff, and he did some live videos so I could see him paint or, or sketch. So I messaged him on Instagram, and I gave him a paragraph of the witch, actually. And I said, this, this is kind of what I'm thinking. 
I do paranormal stuff. I'm writing a book. I need somebody to do some images. So he said, let me give me a day or two. Let me sketch this out and see what I come back with. And the first time he came back, that witch is almost identical to the, what you see in the book. And I knew instantly, like, this is my guy. So we connected. And originally, I was going to do, I think, 12 uh, photos in the book. Uh, we ended up with, I think, 33 images because I got out of control. Uh, but he is fantastic. And what's cool about social media is he's from Chile. Obviously, I'm from the United States. We have never spoken. We've only connected through Instagram typing. And I've, I've sent him paragraphs. He's translated it. Some of the images we had to go back and forth on. But everything that's in the book, his name's Andres Blanco. And he's truly incredible. And uh, it's neat that we have social media now because we're able to do all that stuff and even speak to each other. I'm so happy you know about Instagram because I'm not even I know how to use that app. Yeah. But um, honestly, that's really cool. I'm glad that you connected. Um, I do have another question for you about your drawings in fact um i i do some drawings myself actually and i wanted to know if you guys actually had uh you guys came up with more and more sketches that you guys had to kind of collaborate and go through did you guys have to go through that process at all like where he'd make like a really cool sketch and then you'd have to be like oh i don't know about that one or he'd make like another one kind of similar and if you guys had to go through that choosing process yes and I had to learn it was okay to critique, you know, because I'm always kind of a yes person and like I don't want to hurt somebody's feelings because the first couple images that he did was they were just spot on. They're really good. But, for example, like the doppelganger image that's in the book, that was a really like in-depth image and I wanted it to be right. So, you know, obviously he had to sketch my face first and the first sketch he did, I was just I wasn't feeling it. (laughs) But that one went back, I think, five or six images and and pictures that took probably one of the longest sketches that he did. And it's funny. There's a sketch in the book from the house in between uh, with the big chandelier above my head. I'm in the chair and there's a chandelier. And to me, that was one of the most difficult pictures to like portray in a paragraph. But he just knocked that out the first time. Like he sent it over in like a day and a half and it was just perfect. So you never know. Like some of the images I thought were going to be easier or more difficult and then vice versa. Some of the difficult ones I thought were just easy peasy. But to answer that long winded, (laughs) learn that it's okay to it's okay to critique an artist. Yes. Honestly, I really do love the art in this book and I'm. It's so happy to see um, people collaborating, especially when there are such cool artworks. Like, for instance, this one right here. I just flipped to a random page. And honestly, these artworks are just fascinating and amazing for you guys to collaborate together and work with. Well, you know, one, one of the things, on, and the last thing on the art, because I'm long-winded and I like to talk, um, <clears throat> you know, I wanted to... The one thing in the book that I didn't get to do, which I'll say this now because I've never said this to anybody, uh, equipment was an important chapter to me because I wanted to highlight the the things that I think are important in the field. Sometimes we get over techie, and there's so much stuff that's out there now that to use. So I wanted to piece together the pieces that I've had success with that I think if you have those pieces, you can do a full-fledged investigation and have really good success. My idea in the book, maybe somebody can steal this now, was I wanted to take each device and do a schematic drawing, as in like you break it up, you know, you yeah. blow it up and you, you do like schematics. But I just, 
he didn't have the time to do it and it just it was taking too long and I had a deadline for the book and it didn't work out. So we just did rough sketches and they turned out great. But that's one thing that I wish I could have done and had more time with. Uh, I was going to do schematics of all the devices. Okay. I'm going to be honest, the devices that I did see in the book, I, I honestly thought that they were drawn amazingly. Well, there you go. So, I mean, I, I was honestly, like, the style, like, changed up a bit. And, I mean, like, you could tell that. But, honestly, it stood out more to me that it was different, which made those pages really okay. pop in my eyes. But that may just... Good. I like that, so... I'll take it. <laughs> um, something I did want to point out about your uh, book is that, to me, it kind of reminds me of a field guide or, like, a journal, so this is, like, where someone's kind of kept it, and, like, they've taken notes over, like, a long period of time. And you can see really detailed in, especially when you go and talk about the electronics that you guys use, you see that it has, like, the image, and that way people get, like, a visual of what this thing actually is, which is something a lot of people tend to not do. So I will go and, like, we'll be, like, we'll, uh, excuse me, I'm can't think of the word but we'll talk to other people and they'll be like oh you should use this and I'm like okay but what does that look like it doesn't kind of like it doesn't right. put that image in your head now you're thinking of this random what could be like obscure machinery <laughs> so right I really well, like how you guys put those images in for a visual yeah for sure and, and the whole point of the equipment chapter is to <clears throat> I think to understand like what you're using you know, if you don't understand, like, like the REM pod, for example, um, you know, understand like what can give it a false trigger, like key fobs and walkie talkies and, you know, just small things like that. Or like the spirit box, you know, I understand what it's used for, which is the white noise. You can hear spirits talk through it. But <clears throat> in the book, I tell you what we use it for, which is, you know, an agitation and this, that, and the other. So it just gives a, a perspective of something that we've used those tools in the field and the positive responses that we've got at several locations. So try to set people up for success. <laughs> yeah, I honestly think it's so cool. And I mean, especially for you to uh, put those items in your book as well. It also lets new paranormal people or even people coming back into the field, they kind of get like a review on what new things have come out. Because um, I know that older people, uh, such as my dad, uh, he only had like a, a recorder right? And for all these people who like may be coming back into the paranormal field, uh, all these new equipment you have kind of laid out for them. And so it's kind of saying like, hey, these are some things that we use that you could possibly use as well if you want to be really interested in the paranormal. And I think yeah, that's I, good too. Well, thank you. I think that's, yeah, that, that was the goal of it. And those are the basics. And, <clears throat> you know, like even the EDI that does temperature and whatnot, like, you know, those are tools that are newer to the field and uh i guess the spirit box really depending on when you started doing paranormal but yeah i mean i think those are the basic necessities that you need and you can definitely get gadgeted up and there's thousands of things that are coming out and they're all subjective but you know <clears throat> we're all learning we're all trying and i think that if you have success in the field and you've had it over and over again i think you write it out and you want people to you know bond together and it's always that question of like, why is the paranormal not taken seriously? It's because we do some wacky things and we don't know what we're doing. So if we can all kind of get on a basic same page. I think that our field in general will be much more respected. Yeah. Well, I mean, and 
paranormal, like, we do, yeah, do some wacky stuff. But I honestly think that makes it better. For instance, like, we'll yeah. see people being videotaped and they'll run into a spider web and they'll freak out. Like, yeah, I, I find that hilarious. I mean, we might not have caught something paranormal, but we caught something more funny and that something rememberable to us. Yeah, and for sure. And, and, and being genuine, too. Yeah, I think the more genuine you are and the more fun you have, because... <clears throat> Of course, you need to be serious, and when it's yeah. time to do EVP sessions, whatever, yes. But great point, and that's that's kind of the basis when we started. It's just having fun, being with your friends, trying to get evidence, and you know, take it back to the basics. And you know, let's just uh, let's not try to be too serious. Yeah. Is did you ever have a point in time in maybe filming or even back with your friends where you ever did something? Kind of silly that you haven't shared yet. Just curious, wondering out oh, of curiosity. Oh yeah, there, yeah. Go to this is kind of embarrassing, but yeah. <laughs> so, uh, Smoke and Mirrors Paranormal was the group that I started back in 2008. We ran just me and a couple of friends, but on that website, I think uh, if you just Google Smoke and Mirrors Paranormal, it'll come up. But there's an entire tab that's called Bloopers. Just go click on that. You'll see what we did. Uh, I'm going to have to check this out not, now. You know, but that, that was the point. Check it out. But that's <laughs> that's the point. What you're saying is great. I think you'll you'll relate. When you see this, you're like, he was right. We're on the same page. Yeah. Um, it's it's funny stuff. Like we went to Myrtle's plantation and uh two of our people were standing in front of the house and we snuck up around behind them and scared the living daylights out of them. Or one of my guys that was w- with us in smoke uh smoking mirrors, he was like six three, six four. So we were walking on a plantation of uh, Myrtle plant Myrtle's plantation and there was like hanging moss trees the moss hangs real low and we were, it was black pitch black I was filming in IR so I could see it but he walked right into like some moss like hitting him in the oh, face no. and he like freaked out you know <laughs> uh, no. so all that good stuff you know like we were walking somebody threw a flip-flop in front of somebody and they tripped you know just some stupid wacky stuff but right. it, it's all about having fun because it was it was a good time with friends and it's memories that you create and I really do think, I believe this, good energy together, good people together that are doing stuff for the right reasons. I think that you get more activity and you can capture better evidence when you have that kind of energy in those uh, places. Right. You kind of have to balance the serious and the fun. Like there are some fun moments where like, you know, something kooky will kind of happen. But then you also have like the serious moments where you guys are going over the research and you guys are getting your data done and everyone's just kind of, they're focused on the task at hand. Yeah, well, and, you know, if you're a paranormal investigator, you know this. If you're going to do a location, <clears throat> usually it's a drive. It may mm-hmm. be 30 minutes. It may be two hours, right? So, like, the trip is part of the journey. <clears throat> so, driving there, getting to the place, looking at it, setting up, you know, doing the investigation. By the way, if you start at 6 o'clock and you're to go until 2 or 3 in the morning, that's a long time to just be sitting in the dark staring at each other. So you have to have some kind of bond, some kind of chemistry to keep your energy up throughout the night in the process. So, right. so yeah, it's, and, and I think that's why a lot of people love paranormal investigating is obviously, yes, you want to have that thrill and capture evidence and data, but it's something like if you like to go camping or, you know, if you like to go jump out of a plane, whatever, you get that adrenaline rush. It's the same thing with the paranormal when you get into some of these buildings and some of this stuff happens. So, uh, yeah, I think having good people around you and creating good chemistry. Um, is- I agree. Um, actually, just recently, me and my dad, we went to a farm 
And they were, they messaged us about having some paranormal activity there. So we went to go check it out. We came over there, you know, we were listening to uh, fun songs in the car, singing along, jamming along. And it was probably like maybe a half hour to an hour drive over there. And we get really dark out. And so that was my first time ever investigating like out, like outside. And to watch the sun go down, it was probably like 10 o'clock at night. Um, I heard uh, they were telling us about like some of the places where paranormal things tend to happen. They told us that birds would like to fly like into a window, a specific window, and they would have to pick up these dead bird bodies, like maybe four of them like every week. And I'm like, okay, that's, that doesn't sound very <laughs> normal. And so I took a giant flashlight and like, I'm in the bushes, like I'm, I'm scouring the window looking for like reflections or something. And as I'm doing this, I hear this thud from above me as a bird flies into the window right above my head. Wow. That's and, intense and yeah. random. Mm -hmm. So they had dogs there too. And so this dog comes running uh, towards me because I was in the bush, like right above that window. And this dog just starts sprinting at me and it's looking for this bird that just hit the window. And I'm over here like, oh no, because <laughs> I, I'm a shorter female, so I'm only 5'5", five five, and this dog is, if he, if he were to jump up on me, he could <laughs> knock me over. And I was right. like, this is how I die. <laughs> I'm going to die in this person's bush. <laughs> See, that's a, that's a memory that you'll never forget. The no. bird and the dog. <laughs> the bird and the dog. And I just remember, I got out of that bush, you know, I'm helping this dog now look for the bird after I've, like, calmed down for a moment. I stepped out and walked away. And I couldn't find the bird again, so I'm not sure where that went. And the dog eventually calmed down and walked back over to its owner. And I just remember walking away with my flashlight, and I told my dad what just happened. I go, there was a bird that just hit that window. <laughs> And that's when he told us that, oh, yeah, birds love hitting that window. We'll find dead bodies of them. I'm like, that's not normal. That's so that, random. That well, hey, normal. that happened just because you were there. So that was a little sign for you. You're welcome. <laughs> yeah. So I, I thought it was really fun, especially, like, when you get kind of scared, like, on one of those adventures. It just makes it all the more memorable. It does. Yeah. And that's a good point, too. You know, <clears throat> I always say this is not as sexy as you see on TV, obviously, because, you know, and, and kudos to ghost hunters and ghost adventurers and all the things they do. But, you know, it, it's a long process. You know, they're, they're at those locations for multiple days. You know, usually they do two night investigations and they mesh all that stuff into 45 minutes. But uh, it is a passion. And whenever you do have something like that happens, that can drive you to the next four, five, six, seven locations where nothing happens. Because you remember that one thing that did happen and you know something else can happen. So it's always just kind of searching for that next uh, excitement, that next thrill. Mm -hmm. And, I mean, seriously, I mean, that's why I've been doing this, I guess, getting older and older. I guess I've been doing this 14 years now. But, I mean, it really is, I mean, obviously I think I've done, I, I don't know how many locations, but memorable experiences, it's, it's only a handful. But those handful of experiences, I mean, it validates everything. It was enough for me to write a book in the locations mm -hmm. chapter. After those are the locations I chose. Um, but that's, you know, everybody's like, well, that's, that's some crazy stuff. I'm like, yeah, but this is over 
14 years. So, you know, but it's those memories that, that stay and, and we put ourselves into unique situations. <clears throat> and a lot of the people that we meet that own these, these mansions or these old houses, it's just interesting to meet the people who end up owning these places. You know, some of these places are like 9,000 square feet and this built in like the 17, 1800s. It's like, how did you acquire this place? You know, and just kind of meeting those people. And that's part of the process too. It's like the trip, meeting the people and then just investigating. So it's just, you know, and I'm a big history lover too. So I think that helps me with the field as well. Cause I just, I'm obsessed with old houses and history. Yeah. There's one thing I have a problem with people buying old houses. There's always one issue that I've always had. And that's when they have like old antiques scattered around the house. And they're like, Oh, we like collecting them cause they're old. And I'm like, no, <laughs> Get yeah. away. <laughs> yeah. There's uh, like, you we, wonder uh, there's why a, your house is haunted. <laughs> there there's a, a Facebook's I don't know if it's a group or whatever, but it's called For the Love of Old Houses. It's one of my mm-hmm. favorite things on Facebook. But it, they, they do real estate listings. <clears throat> okay. It's just old houses. But it's like really cool to see some of these houses. But yeah, some of the decor inside is questionable. Yeah. <laughs> like I've seen people like i've gone into houses before and they'll have these like creepy like wooden carved like cat statues and i'm like you asking for trouble (laughs) (laughs) i'm like or they'll have like these old like sewn dolls and you can tell like they're older dolls like they've been played with and messed with and they got like dirt and stuff on them and it looks like one of those dolls that you could honestly, you know, like, uh, you've seen unboxing videos of, like, people opening things and there's mold inside. It just looks like something's going to crawl out of them. Or, like, yeah. um, the Beanie Baby thing that happened where they were filled with spider eggs that people said online. That that oh, was wow. a thing. Yeah. And I was well, like, that's all well, I, I refer that. to whenever <laughs> I think of something now. And I'm like, there's something in it. I don't want to touch it. You should probably burn it and get it out of your house. That is my yeah. advice. I don't care if the house is haunted. It's going to be. And this random story, just because you were talking about this. So we every now and then, like, I'll have somebody who has, like, a supposed haunted object, like, mm-hmm. semi-locally, sometimes not. But uh, um, <clears throat> a lady was were, uh, causing her trouble in her house. And I was like, sure, send them over my way because I'm an idiot. And uh, so I gave her my address, and my wife's like, don't give people our address. I'm like, yeah, mm-hmm. right, smart. Um, but anyway, so she sent the dolls, and they're small, like oh. tiny. And, and I never, I've never talked to this lady, so she sent me the dolls, like, two days later, like, like FedEx, like, sh- shipped them quickly. So I get them, I open them, and I didn't do anything with them. I set them in the back of my car. The next day, she said, hey, don't do anything with those dolls. Send them back to me. And I was like, Okay. I'm like, I don't, that's fine with me. So I forgot. (laughs) And the lady doesn't have a Facebook anymore. She doesn't exist. Oh, I swear to God, she's not on Facebook anymore. And so those dolls are, I still have them in the box and I've never done anything with them. But I'm like, what if it was an older lady? I mean, so it wasn't like a fake person, but like, I don't know. I I hadn't told anybody about this by the way. So yeah, the dolls are just, in my garage i hadn't had anything happen with them because they still been in the box but i just thought it was so odd that some lady messaged me found me sent me these dolls so quickly and then just was all facebook asked them asked for them back and then just got on facebook no that is that no situation right there 
yeah, so that's just a daily, that's what I get in the mail every day. So. <laughs> it's so, so she just like disappeared in a sense. She's not on Facebook. Her Facebook's not, or her profile's not there anymore. You know, like if somebody deletes her Facebook, it's just like yeah. a gray, like silhouette. Yeah, that's what it is. I don't I, know. My mind went to a dark place when you said older woman. I, I don't know. I just, they're still in my garage. I need to take them over to the, the house in between and just put them in their place if they have any. There you go. You know, they'll, they'll, they'll be happy over there. But yeah, they, they're still in the box just where they are. I just thought that was bizarre. I genuinely forgot. I checked back a week later and she just wasn't there. If I were but. you, I'd get like a very long, you know, stick. And I'd start pushing them, and I'd build a bonfire around it, and I'd light it up. She, <laughs> they, they look old. Uh, yeah. I wish I would have thought about it. I would show them to you, but I, I don't know where they are. But mm -hmm. I'll find them, and I'll send you all a picture okay. of them. I would love to see a picture of these horrific dolls. I hate dolls. I can't stick them. Ooh. It's just, I don't know. It's weird. She was making some very, very odd claims. Not your typical stuff. So it was just an intriguing situation in general, <clears throat> which is why, you know, I mean, genuinely, like, if she was scared of the dolls, I was going to take them from her and then put right. them in the house in between. So I was just doing that because she was a local situation. is very peculiar. That is that is definitely a weird situation. I I cannot. I don't have an explanation for that one. <laughs> I don't just, love that she has my address also. So Yeah. <laughs> Next thing you know, she's just going to be walking over, asking for yeah. the doll. You see, like, this old, like, creepy lady with, like, a black shawl, and she's like, has, like, a little cane. She goes, where are my dolls? Yeah, well, when the uh, Madison Police Department will shoot you. I, there we go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Be like, I, I don't have them anymore, and then you put them in the house in between. <laughs> I know, and, like, address, and I'm like, maybe I should drive them over there to her house and just drop them off and make sure she's okay, but I'm like... I just feel like that's what she wants me to do, and this is invested. This is a whole like this is the whole crime story we're talking about. That is that is how crimes start. I mean, how, all you know, this creepy old lady is just a serial killer who's hiding, and she's just like, "Here, come over to my house. I made you cookies." Yeah, well, that's why they're made a police the garage. <laughs> yeah, just never enter someone else's home. Is what I've learned. Yeah, that's just a fact for there. sure. Yeah. Like, how scary would it be? This is just an idea, now that we're going off of this story. Um, how scary would it be if you actually drove over to her house and the house is gone? Uh, that would be another book. That would be another <laughs> book? We'd write a whole book about this uh, old lady. That'd I would just, terrifying. yeah, for sure. Like, what if there were, like, what if she lived in, like, a neighborhood and there's, like, houses around there and her house is just... Vanished. It's just gone. I would take photos, and it would be a great book. You could ask, like, it might be another like. It'd be a whole world built around her. I'd, <laughs> I'd make a whole Harry Potter world built around her. <laughs> you like ask the neighbors, you're like, so do you remember this old lady who lived there? And like, there's never been a house there. Like that that empty plot of land. No one's ever bought a house there. I say like the land's yes. cursed or some shit. I don't know. That's that's when I become a whole detective, and that's when I have to quit my job, and it's just you know. So that's that's why I don't go to her house. Yeah, fair enough. And so, yeah. well, we'll keep it in thought for now. How about that? I'll, I'll holster it for now. There yeah. we go. <laughs> oh gosh, that is, that is a creepy story. I can't stand old 
old things, even if they're not haunted, they're still interesting to me. And you actually have a whole section in your book about uh, cursed objects. Mm-hmm. Talk about the I Annabelle do. doll in there. And I honestly like that you talked about the Annabelle doll because I know that it's, it is a thought like about topic, like it, it is out there, but I do like how you put it in the book. Because it just adds more to the paranormal feel of the book in general. It does. And, you know, you think about, like, Annabelle doll that you know from The Conjuring, you know, is awesome. <clears throat> in reality, it is a Raggedy Ann doll is what it is in real life. Um, but, you know, you, like, you really, like, rationally think about it. Like, if you're a skeptic or you don't believe any of this stuff, like, why would a, an intelligent entity or something that's even negative embody an object? Whether it's a doll, whether it's a painting, like, you know, like, how would that work? And, like, how does that look? You know, like, are they conscious? You know, like, I joked about it in the book, but this is true. It's like, if you watch Chucky, the movie, the original from, like, the 80s, a serial killer is murdered and his soul goes into that doll. And that becomes Chucky, you know, and, like, how silly that is. But, I mean, that's the same thing you're talking about with Annabelle and all these, these haunted objects. Obviously, they can't, like, kill anybody like Chucky can, but the premise is there. Um, and one interesting thing that is, uh, there's a picture of the painting, uh, from a place called Mary Hope mansion. This in Mississippi It's a big, beautiful mansion. Um, but they never had any activity until they put this painting in the upstairs room. And then they started seeing the woman in green with her hair walking around and there were people in tours where she would wave for them to come in her room. Her name's Eugenia. And I thought that was interesting. And then that, that was one of the few times we were actually in her room and we actually called on a still camera, a shadow figure moved from left to right on a wall and it looked like her hair. You can see a, sh- a shoulder and a dress. I mean, it's number one for the 14 years I've been doing it. That's the only time I've caught a pure, true shadow figure on a wall. Um, and it looked just like her. And then the next morning I was doing a walkthrough like I do walkthroughs. Every time we investigate, I clear the house. And I do a day walkthrough with a recorder and a camera, and then just thank the spirits for communicating, blah, 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 blah. But we've captured some really cool stuff in the daytime, the morning after we did an investigation. Uh, just luck, or maybe there's some signs behind it, I don't know. <clears throat> but um, in her room when I was recording, I didn't hear it with my own ears, but we played it back on the video and the audio. There was high heels walking behind me. It's kind of spooky. So, I mean, yeah, for sure. Like playing it back. I mean, it's cool because I didn't hear it in real time. But uh, yeah, there was there were high heels walking behind me. So with the silhouette that we captured and the high heels, it's just interesting. That's the, the property, but right. clearly that painting or whoever's manifested that from that picture is in the house. So yeah, I, mean, I think haunted objects is interesting. Um, one of my one of my wife's favorite pictures in the book. I'll see if I can find it and we're the paracons that we're going to we're actually doing some like cool lanyards of these but this is it's kind of bright i don't know if you can see it but it's the ballerina okay um so this is a music box and i got this from a lady who she sold antiques on ebay she was widowed and uh, she didn't know anything about the supernatural but a friend of her friend contacted me because she got this object and she put it back in her back room where she keeps all her stuff she sells on ebay since she put it back in there, she heard a little girl laughing and a ball bouncing, and she said the the music box would turn and play. It plays Happy Birthday. It's from, right. like, the 60s. Um, <clears throat> so she just wanted it out of her house. So I met her and picked it up and got it. And whenever somebody gives you something they say is haunted, I mean, 
to be honest, it's it's like 90% of the time there's no I, – I don't have any experience with it, right? Just like the dolls are in the garage. Like, I hadn't had anything happen in the house or – They're still creepy, though. Them or anything like that. They're still creepy. They're still creepy, yeah, for sure. <laughs> but, you know, for every claim that you hear, you look into it, and every now and then, just like the house in between, you find a house that's pretty interesting. Right. Uh, but that music box has played just numerous by itself. You wind it up, but it would just play and it would just play. And we've had it at the house in between for a while now. And just while we're doing tours and stuff, sometimes she'll just start playing. It's the craziest thing. So it's just interesting. You know, I don't know the rhyme or reason. And, you know, it's just, it's, it's intriguing. Obviously, the, the doll that I have, um, She's made people jump. She's made people unhappy. She's made somebody cry. I've never had anything happen personally. Right. You know, it could be just <clears throat> your brain manifesting something. But I just think the whole genre and the whole the whole thought process of haunted objects is very, very interesting. And I'm a rational person, and I say this, and some people don't say this, but, you know, you have to do your due diligence. Just because something's old doesn't mean it's haunted. Just because my says something haunted, it doesn't mean it's haunted. And you look on eBay and you see all this stuff for sale that's haunted and these price tags and, you know, <clears throat> anything that becomes like pop culture or Hollywood, people are going to try to make money off of it. So right. you just got to, you know, if you're into that kind of stuff, you collect it, you know, you just do your due diligence and, hey, you can put them around rim pods, you can put them around your equipment and you sure. know, stuff around them. So if you're capturing evps if your devices are going off there's ways to kind of do a validation with some of these things but just mm -hmm. do your due diligence and most of the time it's not going to be haunted but every now and then you'll capture something or find something that has an attachment now i actually have a question about haunted objects do you have maybe a theory on them so i know that some ghosts like there are different types of ghosts out there but something i haven't seen is haunted object ghosts like because, as you said, like, some of these things, like, we can see all around, like, the property, and it should just be coming from one item. And other times, it's the item itself that's being haunted. So, like, there's definitely, like, variations of these things, but as far as I know, no one's ever done, like, a category for them. Right. Great question. So, and, that, and that's the question about haunted objects is, like, how does that look? So, like, if you are an intelligent spirit or you're something that's not walk the earth that you decide to – and let's just use a doll because that's, like, one of the more common things that people say are haunted. So, like, you, you attach to this vessel, right? Mm -hmm. So, in theory, if you, you are an intelligent spirit, instead of haunting a place, walking around a room looking at stuff, is it in your head? Maybe you're thinking, like, if I incorporate myself into this doll – Will I be loved? Will I be picked up? Will a child hold me? Will I stay around longer and be more relevant than if I'm stuck in this building that may be destroyed and then there's nothing here but just land? Okay. So that's just that's just the thought process for me. I mean, because I don't know I don't know why else it would make sense. So that's the only rationality that I think. Uh, I. So what about um? Here's another thing to add on to that. What if like maybe uh like a child had like this precious toy and like it, maybe they kept it as they got older, they could manifest into that, like a beloved object of theirs that they wanted to keep with them maybe. Right. Yeah. And that's the thing. Yeah. So something that's tangible that won't be destroyed or won't be forgotten. And okay. I think that's one of the things like, if you don't want to leave, it's like, if you're stubborn, you are a ghost, you don't go to the light, whatever. It's like, are right. you staying with an object? Cause you think it's going to have some memento, just like the painting, you know, I mean, it kind of makes sense if it was a painting. It's like, that's a beautiful painting. 
hopefully that'll be something that's cherished and loved and people look at and they show uh, attention to. If it's a doll, somebody's picking you up and holding you, you know, you're giving them that energy. And I think that the spirits need the energy to interact. So maybe that's why they want to attach to an object also is because you're giving physical energy to it. Okay. Also, have you ever heard that Egyptians, they will keep the items uh, or they'll be buried with their items so that they can transfer over to the dead with them? Have you have you heard about that? I wonder if yes, it's I have. a similar scenario sometimes with the objects as well. Like where they're like, I want to keep hold of this and I want to hold it tight forever and this is mine. And I wonder if like some spirits get possessive of the object so that when someone takes it or moves it around, they get angry. Which causes that's the a, normal events. That's a great point of view. And I've never thought about it like that. But that's a good analogy with the Egyptians because that's exactly what they used to do. Is they yeah. wanted to keep that with them because they transfer it to the next life. Mm -hmm. I yeah, like I, that. I thought of that. I was like, huh. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, that makes sense too because it's obviously, you know, the painting like Eugenia, you just talked about that. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> that was a portrait. So the spirit looks like that person. So it could right. have been their their favorite object because that was the old painting from the 1800s. Because you know, then it takes a lot of time. You know, they didn't. It's not like us taking selfies. <laughs> Whenever mm -hmm. you had a portrait done, that was like a long process, and it wasn't cheap either. So maybe that was something that she loved when she died. That's where she manifested, and she wanted to hold on to that. So great theory. I love. Yeah. <laughs> Honestly, I find ob haunted objects really fascinating because. Like, again, there's not, like, extensive, like, there is extensive research done on these objects, but they're not categorized. And I think we yeah. should probably well, do more research I, into doing that. Right. Yeah, I agree. Because it's, it's, it's so, <clears throat> it's just a one note, like a one-off, like haunted objects. You know what I mean? Whether it's, like, a baby rattle or, like, a, a portrait or, you know, like, a toy car or something like that. Because there's so many different objects that could be haunted, should be categorized, right. categorized and then really understand why i think that's the biggest thing is like you know kind of validation whenever we go to a location we validate whether it's haunted or not based on evps right. and energy and devices and things moving same thing with the objects like i was saying earlier do your due diligence don't just assume something's haunted because it's old or you heard stories you know so i agree yeah See, I, I have the thing where i don't care if it's haunted or not if it looks old we should probably just get rid of it if it's to the point in which it's old. Yeah, I love it. Just push it out the window. It's fine. It's gone. <laughs> it's cool. Like, yeah. So, uh, yeah, my wife got me uh, for my birthday. She, uh, <clears throat> we were starting to collect a few dolls and stuff like that just randomly. She found one in, uh, I think, Sweden. It was like found in a barn, but it was like a Swedish lady, but it was old. You know, just mm -hmm. the characters. They sent some notes with them and stuff like that. But yeah, even if they're not haunted, it's just neat to get these places, these things from across the world and people's stories because they hand wrote stories about the dolls and the experience they right. had and stuff. And <clears throat> it was neat. And uh, one object we got, we uh, we definitely incorporated it into the house in between. But we'll see that later on. Okay, I'm excited to see that then. Yeah, uh, I think. I do have this, like, weird fear of, like, dolls especially, and that may stem from the fact that I used to have a bunch of porcelain dolls. And I actually had them set up. I had this big mirror that would lay right in front of my bed, which is probably bad setup in general. Um, but they yeah. would sit all, like, right next to my mirror. And 
I just remember one night I couldn't sleep and I felt like something was just staring at me and I had all of these porcelain doll eyes looking at me. After that, they went into my closet. Yeah, I understand and that. I, and, I, and like, you know, dolls, I don't, it'd be good. I'm going to Google whenever we finish this, like when the doll was created. But <clears throat> I have to assume dolls have been around for probably 300 years. Probably maybe more longer. Than that. Yeah, probably more than that. So, I mean, that's unique. It's the same thing with music. You know, music's one of my equipment things right. that I use all the time because it's the universal language. Whether you're playing, you know, period music from when the person died or whether you're playing music now. I think that the the notes and I do a lot of instrumental stuff <clears throat> because that can invoke energy, not just with the spirits, but the people in the room. There was a video that I didn't pull and I wish I would have. We were having a tour at the house in between. Mm -hmm. We had the DVR camera set up and I do an instrumental song, uh, but it goes into, um, what is it? Um, Queen is like, uh, one of the Queen songs, like one of their famous songs. If you don't know, ask your dad. It's uh, I know. What is it? I'm trying to think. What song is it? Oh man, anyway, it's a long. Oh, Bohemian Rhapsody. I'm sorry. Um. So anyway, a great historical song, but it's like a, a violin version of that. Okay. But I play that specifically, <clears throat> not just for the house, but like there was like nine or ten people in the house that are in different rooms. You can see Ken. And when they realized the violin's going into Bohemian Rhapsody, you could see everybody's like energy like perk up and like they're singing and stuff like that. And I do that for a reason because I feel like it really does connect everybody for that moment and kind of heightens the burst of energy out. And I know that sounds silly, but at, at the end of the day, we've had some really good results from that. So that's why like what we're talking about, music is such a universal thing. And same thing with dolls. It's one of those things where, you know, whether you're a man whether you're a woman, whether you were a little child, like that's something that's like iconic that you know what it is. You know, it's not harmful. It's not going to hurt you. So I do think that's why that's more associated with a haunted object than anything, because it's been around for so long. Right. Uh, actually, the music thing, it makes sense. And so music is actually, it goes along with people's emotions as well. So this can also trigger emotions in not only people, but spirits as well. So that usually tends to like, you know, get people like kind of pumped up, like ready for the day type of thing. Or if you're playing more sadder ones, it kind of, you'll see people's energies kind of drain. So yep. it's really interesting to involve music within the paranormal. It honestly should be used more because it's a very interesting concept to use. It is. And we've, I mean, that's, I have had really good success with that. So I wanted to make sure, and I love, I did the old style, like music record player. But and and I'm, I've always been a very big music person. Music's very, very important to me. So uh, it helps me tap in. Just me as an investigator, like before I do an investigation, while we're getting set up, I like center myself. I get music pumping, something that gets me flowing in my head. And, and yeah, it's important to me. So I feel like it's important to everybody else. And again, even if I go to Germany or I go to Spain, wherever, I feel like if you're playing music and it's like, it doesn't have to be instrumental, but I do a lot of instrumental stuff. Like that's going to connect no matter where you're going to investigate. Right. As you said, music is the universal language. And yeah, honestly, it is. it is. Everyone knows about music. All different cultures have a different type of music and it's some way incorporated into everyday life. Yep. For sure. Um, I actually wanted to go over this with you, but what made you want to call it uh, smoke and mirrors paranormal? Because I'm pretty sure we talked about this before, but I wanted to bring it up again. 
Yeah, so funny story about this. Um, <clears throat> I met uh, Chip Coffee, and I, if you don't know who he is, he was on Paranormal State for a long time. He's a very famous medium. He's on Kindred Spirits now. Mm-hmm. Um, great guy. But <clears throat> when I met him in person, he came to the house in between. He's like, he liked, you know, he liked me, but he's like, I hate your name. He's like, Smoke and Mirrors Paranormal. He's like, that's a terrible name. So it's a play on words, obviously. So smoke yeah. and mirrors means that it's like it's smoke and mirrors. It's not real. Um, so why I wanted to do that is to, to kind of just show that there is a lot of smoke and mirrors, but what we're putting out is the truth. So and it just kind of spoke to me. Uh, I have a marketing mind. That's what I do is, is marketing. So I'm always thinking, you know, that I just liked it. It was different. It wasn't like Mississippi paranormal or like Madison paranormal. It was just I like smoke and mirrors. And I like the the art that I did with it and all that good stuff. So it just stuck with me. I just I, I like something again, it's simple, less is more, but it's a conversation piece. If people ask you why and that's a good question, why mm-hmm. is it smoking mirrors paranormal? It's a play on words because this field is thought about as a joke. Uh, a lot of people who anybody can be a paranormal investigator and unfortunately a lot of people abuse what we do. Mm-hmm. There's people on TikTok, don't get me started, <clears throat> and I'm sure there's some good people people on TikTok who are trying to get likes and views and they're just doing some really stupid stuff. And, you know, it just models what we're trying to do, what we're trying to do. So, you know, we're trying to mix science with the paranormal and trying to show the devices that we use and trying to get some rationality of, you know, like this stuff is real. There's so many people who have experienced the paranormal. If you talk to 10 people, I always say, I think eight out of 10 have either had an experience or know somebody who's had an experience. So there's got some truth behind that. And, uh, yeah, so I just thought it was kind of funny. I'm just kind of a smart-ass sometimes. So Smoking Mary's Fair Normal is my my team name. And if I remember correctly, you did this with your friends, right? You you guys had a group of friends. How did your friends think of this name? I'm very curious on that. When you came up with the idea, what what did they think about it? So my two friends, um, they were not into this at all in general. Uh, but they were good friends. They knew they knew that I had a passion for it. Um, and one per the um, one person was a very historical kind of person, so they did a lot of research and background and stuff. So that helped me out. And then the other person was into like the audio visual stuff. So he was a techie kind of guy. So it kind of worked out randomly. Right. Well, there you go. Um, yeah. So like you do this, you do this. I'm going to be here. Um, <clears throat> but they were kind of okay with anything. I remember the we were trying to come up with a name the first night we ever did an investigation in 2008 was at King's Tavern in Natchez. I think we talked about that before. Um, and that's where we went where we didn't know what we were doing. And we actually called a door opening and an incredible EVP. And it was just like an epiphany for me. It just, I mean, it just sent me on this trajectory of like, I wasn't crazy as a child. This is real. And I want to do this forever. And so on the way home, it was probably two in the morning because Natchez from here is like two and a half hours. So, yeah, we probably got home at like three or four in the morning. <clears throat> but we were just kind of staying awake and throwing names out there because we were like, this is insane. Because they, they, they weren't skeptics, but they didn't not believe. They were just kind of – they were just like whatever, right? Okay. But but they experienced this, the door opening with me and the voice, so they were just kind of shocked like I was. So they like – after that night, they were in it with me. They are like – this is insane. He's not crazy. Um, so we were kind of bouncing names off each other. And on that drive home, we came up with smoke and mirrors and just stuck ever since. What are some places that, uh, you, that didn't make the book? 
What are some what? I missed the question. I'm sorry. What are some places that didn't make the book? So places that you kind of left out for a certain reason, or maybe like they didn't have enough like paranormal experiences to write about. So kind of places like those that didn't get the cut. Yeah, there. I mean, there's a lot of places that we've gone to that just didn't have any like paranormal activity. You know. Right. Um, we we've gone to some really cool mansions and really old houses. One of the mansions we went to had like an underground tunnel and stuff like that, but we just didn't get anything there. Visually, it's beautiful. It's a really cool right. place. We went to a small little town that had a, a morgue that we investigated. They turned into a gym that they claimed they had activity. And we went upstairs, and apparently we discovered that this mortician had been taking their sh- – I don't know if this is standard practice or not. So morticians out there, if this is normal, I don't know. But he was taking their shoes off. <clears throat> so okay. this was like from the 1880s to like 1920. But there was like, I mean, 300 pairs of old shoes that before they would cremate them, they took their shoes off and all the shoes were up in this attic. It was the craziest oh, no. thing because these were all dead people's shoes. No. Oh, no. Why yeah. did you do that? I was like, I, I, I think I had, I think I had pictures of that still. I know I took because there was this old like it looked like a witch's shoe, but yeah. So no. anyway, but yeah, but but again, we didn't really have a lot of activity there. But like we've been in some yeah. really odd places before. Um, I don't know. Like that place stands out to me because it was just this weird town. Everybody in it was like staring at us. I felt like we were like gonna be murdered, and like oh this, I, I don't know. It was just really, and the owner was just strange and like. I don't know. It was and again. It was a morgue, but they turned it into a gym. So there was like tanning beds in there and like workout equipment. But then like upstairs was like some of the old funeral stuff was still there and like all the shoes. And again, it's just it, we didn't have anything happen, so I didn't write right. about it. But that's still just one of the things that stands out to me. I was like, this place is weird as hell. Like, let's finish what we're doing here and let's let's go ahead and get out of here. <laughs> that is, what would make so. They turned it into a gym. So right. that means that they kind of started to renovate, you know, get some new things in here. But they left some of, like, the actual stuff in the house, like upstairs? They, they, yeah. They, they basically took everything that was downstairs, like some of the equipment, like the embalming equipment <clears throat> and, like, the table that you would lay them on and stuff. And they moved it all in the attic. And then the shoes were up there. So, yeah, like, all that stuff was still there. There was a ton of stuff up there. No. It was really creepy. No. Bad, it was bad juju upstairs. Just bad shoes, juju. It, it was just crazy. I mean, like, you think about 300 pairs of shoes. That's a lot of shoes. It was, it was a big mountain of shoes up there. And they were like, yeah, they apparently took the shoes off before they cremated them. They just threw them in this pile. I'm like, well, that's not normal. <laughs> like, were the owners, like, weirded out by it or not? Like, or are they just, they, like, okay with these this massive amount of stuff up in their attic? Like, they seem fine because attached to the mortuary <clears throat> where the gym was, like, still attached to the building was, like, where they lived. So it was, like, all one complex. Yeah. It's real strange. <laughs> They're just okay with that? You have, like, you have 300 pairs of shoes in your attic from dead people. <laughs> I'm like, why don't you, like, clear that out and throw those away? Like, are you keeping those yeah. for, like, a reason? Like, I mean, just rational yeah. for me. Like, the, the bigger equipment may be harder to get out and, and dispose of, but, like, the shoes, like, I can get you some trash bags. And we can like, is it, like, like, a talking you think, for them? Like, you know, people come into their home, like, their friends or something, and be like, hey, you want to see the attic? 
Like, you maybe. think it's just, like, They invited top. us, so maybe so. I don't know. I mean, you said it's, like, a weird town, too, so, like, I, I wouldn't put the people against it and be like, hey, come see my attic. It, it has, like, 300 pairs of dead people's shoes and, like, some other cool instruments of... Yeah, it was weird because I feel like everybody in the town knew why we were there. Like, we stopped in, in a gas station, got some food, stuff like that. And I mean, I don't dress like weird. Like, I wear my oh. black v necks and my, my skinny jeans. And like, I, I probably don't look like most people that come to that. I think there's a population of like 800. Okay. And it's a tiny little <laughs> town. So, um, but yeah, it was a weird place. And then the other thing that pops into my head, we didn't do a lot of residential places. Um, like one place we went to, the reason I don't do a lot of resident, residential places, uh, whenever people would contact us, obviously a lot of people think their houses are haunted, but they're not. Um, <clears throat> a lot of people can be going through like psychiatric stuff or like a divorce. Like mm-hmm. I've had people, I've had some really weird and dark stuff go on, but it's it's not supernatural. It's like people, you know what I mean? Like there are issues that they're going on. Um, but one lady called and she was on the coast, uh, in Mississippi, probably like three hours away. And she had two small children and we have a questionnaire that we would do. So I asked the same questions, okay. but I asked them in different forms so I can tell if you're lying. So that I can ask you the same question in a few forms. And if you stumble, then I'll kind of like, I'm like, uh. but okay. she, she, she answered the questionnaire. She seemed legit. She was honestly terrified. There's something dark in her house. So we went down to her house three hours and we get there and we walked into the house and we should have called child services. The house was the most filthy thing I've ever seen. Like, I mean, I just wanted to get out of there. Like we, we talked to the kids and like, we were like, Hey, you're okay. You're safe. There's nothing here. And then we peaced out. And then after that, I was like, we're never doing a proper residence again. Like this is it. Luckily the beach was close there. So we left the house and went to the beach. We had a good beach uh, weekend. Okay. Um, so it wasn't all bad. It wasn't all bad, but there's there's a lot of there's a lot of stories I have that just weren't paranormal related, so they didn't make it in the book. I specifically put places in there that uh, were relevant to the book, supernatural and and all that stuff. But <clears throat> and luckily that was before Alice's house because I had a friend of a friend call me whenever I was introduced to Alice. And I, and I was, I mean, I was kind of timid because we had some bad uh, stuff happen with private residences because I'm not trying to be mean, but in general, people were kind of crazy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's a lot of weirdos out there. <laughs> so. Yeah. I mean, it is, it is kind of hard to trust people in the paranormal field because you want to go explore these houses. Like you want to believe that there's something there, but some of these people are just a little, a little iffy. Well, yeah, I mean, and like another quick story is like we did something with a, a news anchor that was local at the time, which has become a great friend. But uh, he was a great journalist. He was doing paranormal uh, local TV in like the 90s. He actually won an Emmy Award from a news station from covering like haunted. He would do like haunted trips and stuff like that and put them in like little news stories. <clears throat> really great guy. And uh, so he had a Halloween uh news story coming up he's like hey y'all come do the investigation so he found the guy and we met him at this location and i was like the cameraman was this guy who was like not feeling the paranormal like he was like horrified to be in, around anything spooky oh, no. so like so but we got the location and it was like this i don't know i can't i gotta be careful how i say things 
So <laughs> they lived under power lines, and the guy was insane. And there was nothing haunted about it. He was just crazy. He's like, a ghost picked up my wife and threw her against the fence. I'm like, pretty sure he's hammered. I'm pretty sure he got hammered and threw her against the fence. I'm like, I was looking at the news anchor. I'm like, okay, let's let's get out of here. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, so there's a lot of stories like that are, that are funny and, and humorous, but they just weren't paranormal related. So, right. um, But again, to what you said earlier, these are experiences that I would never you know, take for granted. I'm glad we did every one of them. There's a lot of dead ends in this field. There's a lot of times you go to places, you don't get anything, but you have to just enjoy the experience, enjoy what you're doing. And uh, throughout the process, if you keep at it long enough, you'll get some really cool evidence. I, I feel so bad for people when they're like the cameraman for like a paranormal investigation and you know that they're they're so scared of like anything paranormal related or, you know, they get scared easy. At those points, I wonder if we should get, like, another cameraman just to film him and we put it on, like, Funniest Home Videos or something. Yeah. I know that sounds so mean, but <laughs> uh, sometimes I think about that. Because it, it would make for some funny some funny scenes. And the great – so Kendall Welton, who is the cinematographer and producer for The House in Between, who is awesome, who did The Sleepless Unrest, uh, he, he was a cameraman on Ghost Hunters for pretty much all their original seasons. And uh, so it was neat to see because he's been to, I think, seriously, I think he's been to two or three hundred locations with Mm -hmm. Ghost Hunters. And it was neat to see he's never had something happen in front of his face like he had at the house in between. So you watch the end of it where the baseball comes down. He starts like tiptoeing and freaking out. So that was neat. And we're honored that uh, that was the one time he had something happen directly in front of his face. So there we go. Yeah. Oh, I feel so bad for him because he must have been so scared. He was, but he's so excited. I like you need to be on camera more. He's hilarious. You know, he was tiptoeing and running, and he, he gets so excited. His energy is just so high. So he's he's a great. We love Kendall. I feel like it's um like scared, excited. Where you're like, I want to film more, but at the same time, I want to back away. Yeah. Well, your brain tries yeah. to like rationalize it, but it's like this is what you're yeah. here. You're want to dive into, it, but then like there's only so much you can take until where you push back. You know. Right. Yeah. It's so fun though. Let's see. What else do I have for you? I think you've almost covered all of my questions, whether I've asked them or not. In fact, I, th- I added uh, more questions into here. I talk a lot. And then I will I will say one thing <clears throat> that mm-hmm. the reason this is called a peek through the veil, because sometimes people ask me. Um, so obviously, I don't consider myself a medium. I think there's people out there that have the ability. I do not. Uh, but if you watch the house in between, uh, there's a clip in there where you you hear me hear something in the graveyard. Uh, so ever since I was a young kid, I would hear things. I would see shadow figures. I think we've talked about that before. So kind of what I've coined my phrase and what I've experienced my whole life is I get a peek through the veil. So I'll be able to hear stuff sometimes. I'll be able to see stuff, but I can't hone it. Uh, so that just kind of sums up uh, what I've experienced and what kind of brought me to where I'm at, I am right now. So. Right. And I mean, even in the book you talk about, it's one of the very first things that are in there is how you don't remember this as a kid, but you actually flatlined for a period mm-hmm. of time. Yeah. And I don't know if I perceived it as this, but it kind of perceives it as, could this be like a reason for why you are acceptable to the paranormal? Right. Yeah, for sure. And you hear about that, you know, you hear about people, you know, have those near death experiences and then their window and more after that and i mean you hear that all the time it's just it's the same thing where 
whenever like a relative dies or something like that, they see them at the end of their bed or they, they knew they died right. You know, even before they got the phone call. Yeah. Some relevance to that. I think that, you know, it is possible when we do pass, I mean, do we have that instant burst of energy where we can go comfort that person Mm -hmm. that's closest to us to let them know that, Hey, we're okay. We do an imprint in their head so they remember us, whatever it is. But yeah, same thing. I mean, I don't know, but, um, I think it is interesting, at least, that a flight line. Obviously, I was I was too young to remember it, but um, I'm weird, and uh, <laughs> there's you're not weird for some reason. <laughs> but you know, it's neat. But I've been able to validate it and uh, mm-hmm. going through this process and being in the field and using the uh, the electronics and the uh, the technology that's available to us now. It's been able to kind of validate the things I've experienced, and I think that's important. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I mean, there are so many people out there, again, with like these life or death experiences and they, this, again, like, as you said, their window's just like a little bit more open. They're just a little bit more susceptible, acceptable to the paranormal. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. Mm -hmm. Which can make for some really good stories and podcasts if you get into Uh, it. Apparently so. Yeah. (laughs) So this is good stuff. But no, I I think the the book was... uh, it was challenging to write. Uh, I think it turned out really well. I'm happy with the artwork and the stories. And I think, again, I wanted it to be an easy read. I wanted it to be heavy visuals. And, uh, you know, it's fun to just kind of look through. And, and I'm working on uh, another project right now, another book. So I'm excited for people to be able to see that. It's going to take a while to get it done. But I'm really, really excited about it. Book two. So- book two. Are you gonna are you gonna call it a peek through the veil book two? Is that what it's gonna be called? It is not a peek through the veil okay. book two. I, you know, it's weird. I've had fourteen years in the field, and this is pretty much my personal stories and my thoughts. Mm-hmm. That I put all that in that book, uh, and I've, I've had a, a, a few different ideas for a second book. Uh, <clears throat> after I wrote this book, I was like, I'm never gonna write another book. That was awful. Because <laughs> so, like once you're in it. And like you commit to doing it and like I've put the money and the finances into like the artwork and, and having a, a, a couple proofreaders proofread it and correct all my stuff because I'm a terrible, terrible writer. So they had to create and, and, and correct a lot of stuff. Um, it was it was stressful. I mean, it really was like I enjoyed it and I'm happy with the result. But like, you know, the easiest stuff to write was great, like the house in between and like my backstory because it's me. Right. But then there's other stuff like the locations like Cause I wanted to think, you know, it's easy to tell a story about yourself, but then when you're talking about like a location, like I wanted to paint some kind of picture and that's what great authors do. Like, uh, right. Whoever wrote Harry Potter. I can't remember. Harry- J.K. Rowling. Or yeah. J.K. Yeah. I believe. So, so <clears throat> you know, <clears throat> painting those visual pictures so you can read the story. Lives, I mean, that's what great writers do and I'm not a great writer. So like when it came to locations, I needed to, give a backstory, give some history so you can kind of understand what the place is about and then tell you my experience. <clears throat> so that stuff was harder to do for me. Uh, and then talking about like doppelganger and stuff like that, it was something I thought was really cool that was really interesting in the field. But, you know, where did that term originate? What's the backstory? And then how is it relevant into the paranormal field? And kind of meshing all that together because I didn't want to just, you know, it's a cool idea. I can create a cool picture like that. But then making the writing make sense is it was a lot harder than I thought. Right. I mean, that is the struggle of writing a book. I've I've dabbled in writing a little bit back in 
back in high school, but it was always so hard for me to stay focused on it. I can only imagine how hard that would have been for you. Yeah, it was, I mean, it, it, it was, uh, once I started it, it, um, it was definitely a passion to finish it. So I'm glad I did it. Then this, the second book is going to be easier because it's something I really enjoy. And, uh, again, it's going to be very heavy visuals. So I'm excited. Am I going to have to do another, uh, podcast on you? I think so. I think so. Cause I think you're really going to like the second book. I think okay. it, it's going to be really interesting. Yeah. I'm very excited to read it then. Yes. Thank you. All right. I don't think I have any more questions for you that we haven't already covered. I think, Why? You, I think you nailed all of my questions all the way down the <laughs> list of my whole page. <laughs> I, I talk a lot. So that's, that's on me. So, but no, I, I appreciate you having me on. And uh, if, if anybody wants the book, they can go to johnbullardpara.com. Uh, rent the house in between, buy the house in between. They can buy the book. So I figured the website and uh, all my other previous podcast interviews are on there. So once we release this one, I'll put this link on there too. So they can uh, listen to this over and over. <laughs> yes, guys, go read the book. This thing is awesome. And go watch the house in between this. All of this stuff is absolutely amazing. You Thank guys you. <laughs> Thank you so much. And with that, Paramara signing off. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.